going on, everybody? The Modern Flirting Podcast in full effect. I'm Dale Valor, stepping in for the man, the myth, the legend, Jared Syke Lawrence. He normally hosts, but when he can't, because he's a little under the weather today due to a very strenuous boot camp last weekend. Um, I'm stepping in for him uh, today and holding down those duties. And uh, as I think always, you've been on every single one, haven't you, Dom? Definitely for last week's. So I was out. Oh, yeah, you weren't. It was me and Nicholas last week. That's right. Yeah. Which I also hosted. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you're just a modern flirting host. Apparently so. I'm just yeah. a. The MC. MC of any modern <laughs> event, apparently. The MF so. MC. Hey, that's a good name for you, man. MF MC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fucking MC. <laughs> yeah. Well, for you guys that don't know, um, and I don't know if you know this, Dom, uh, but I did hip hop professionally no. for 10 years. Nice. Yeah. So that's what I I used to MC, man. Uh yeah. you know, so. Yeah, dude. We definitely have to hear some of your experiences doing that. Oh, man. Like, man, I've got stories for days. <laughs> Here's the thing, that man. Makes. You know, most people who um, who don't tour, like, I, there was years that I would tour and do 250 shows in a year. I'd be on the road Holy shit. 300 days of the year. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. that went on, of that 10 years, probably two and a half, three years, something like that. And um, what people don't understand is unless you're like, you know, rock star status or something like that, where you have a RV, you know, like one of those big, huge, you know, 30 foot joints, you know what I'm saying? Like a tour bus. Yeah. You know, tour that bus. Kind of thing. You are functionally homeless, man. That's what I used to call it is being functionally homeless. But you're because- a rock star, right? Right, Dale? You're a rock star. Uh, you can be homeless and a rock star come on now <laughs> well that was some of the uh imagery that we would put out there but in reality not, not so much a rock star but here's the deal uh big enough to tour big enough to do that not big enough to do it in a tour bus <laughs> so um you know you would be fun like i said functionally homeless so you know, we, we didn't, a lot of times I would rather keep the money um, for whatever it would cost for a hotel and things like that uh, than, than spend it on a hotel. So a lot of times we're crashing at somebody's house, we're couch surfing, uh, sleeping in the car. Um, you know, I am masterful at stretching a budget on a tour. Like That's when a good I, skill. Yeah, dude, when I used to go on the road, like I would eat on like two and three dollars a day. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 7-Eleven hot dogs and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like um, I, I was just trying to stretch that money as, as, as best I could because it wasn't a ton coming in. So uh, but I was I was doing what I wanted to do. I was living the life that I wanted to live. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like it. It, it was dope because um, <laughs> I, I will tell you a story, though, because it just made me think of something. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but but I mean, all that led to me, you know, like I, I was able to sign with a major record label. I've had nice. I've had two major label album releases, uh, none of which sold very well, which is why there's only two 
but uh, but but even still, you know, like I got to live the type of life that I wanted to live. I had an imagination, and I I stepped into though that 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 dream that I imagined. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I think that that's one thing that a lot of guys lack. You know, when it comes to um, right. the lifestyle that they want. Yeah. They want to live in their budget. They want to live inside of their paycheck. You know, they want to live inside of their life as it exists already. You know, when when I uh when I started touring and, and I wasn't making much money, man. I was barely making gas money to get to where I had to go, sell a few shirts, a few CDs. Well, because CDs were popping at the time. Um yeah you know, a few bucks from the promoter. And that was it enough to get me to the next spot that I had to go. All right? right. And the thing about that is, is that I knew, I knew that it would lead to something. Did it lead to like rock star status? No, but it led to me being able to buy a house by just simply doing hip hop. It led yeah. to me being able to buy a vehicle, a car and whatnot and pay bills and all that thing strictly by rapid right you know and yeah. so many guys are afraid to step out of their lifestyle their tax bracket to make the kind of life that they want to lead that they right because they can't they can imagine it but they can't see it at the same right. time you know yeah totally and, go ahead no, no, I was about to say, uh, agree, agree with that. You know, you got to step outside of your tax bracket. You got to be a bracket stepper. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the right word is, right? The bracket overstepper. But, you know, lately I've been reading to more spiritual stuff. And you know about the law of attraction? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Spiritual teachers talk about, I mean, I've gone to spirituality and paranormal and stuff. But basically the law of attraction for those listeners who are not aware of it is the idea that your thoughts are actually things. And whatever you think about, you know, for long enough with all your attention, it's going to manifest your life. So yeah. you know, a lot of these like te spiritual teachers, like, you know, um, there is a woman who wrote The Secret. There was like Nivelle Goddard who, you know, uh, like bunch of people who wrote about the law of attraction. And lately I've been reading this woman, Pam Grout. She wrote this book uh, called E-Square. It's like nine practical scientific ex experiments, if you will, to show that the spirituality or the law of attraction is actually real. So it's more about, you know, if you can envision something, if you can dream something, then it becomes real. Right. Everything starts from the mind. And when I look at my lifestyle now, I'm sure the coach is here too, um, that whatever we have right now, the lifestyle we achieved, the women we are dating, uh, well, what's just a dream, just a thought in our heads. Mm -hmm. By thinking on it and focusing on it, it eventually became reality. So that kind of echoes back to what you're saying. Yeah, man. You know, and that's the thing is that, you know, if, if you try to tell somebody to take a, to take a risk, you know, and, and, and to step into that, uh, that dream that they have to start working towards that, you know, yeah. you're going to be, um, you're going to be hit with resistance in that. What, what are they going to say, man? It's the same thing. Everybody says, I've got, you know, I've got bills to pay, man. Yeah. I've got responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Right. Who doesn't? Dude, look, check this out. If you go two blocks from my house, there's a freeway overpass, meaning that there's an entrance onto the freeway, an exit onto the freeway or off of the freeway, 
in both directions. And at that overpass, a bunch of homeless people hang out. All right. And they, they sit there, you know, you come off the freeway, you, you're stuck at the light and they're, they're, you know, hoping that people give them money. Okay. I see them with cell phones. Yeah. Which tells me they have to pay a cell phone bill. <laughs> so even they have bills, even they have responsibilities. If they yeah. don't go out there to that intersection and sit on their bucket and wait for people to give them money, they're not going to get in. Right. So even they have responsibilities because if they don't get that money, they're not going to eat. They're not going to get whatever, um, like, you know, if they're drug addicts, I don't know. Um, but they're they not can't get their heroin fixed. Get. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, but that's the thing. Even they have bills. Even they have responsibilities. Right. Why can't you accept the fact, not you, Dong, <laughs> the listeners, why can't you? Well, I just don't know if I actually have that problem as well. <laughs> 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 but why can't you step into what it is that the lifestyle that you want? Now, I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying that right now, like walk it to walk in tomorrow and be like, I'm out of here because I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, dude, there's all kinds of outlets. There's all kinds of ways to build the type of connections that you need to utilize to get to where it is that you want to go. Yeah. I tell people like this, man. Um, you know, was I the most skilled rapper ever? Of course not. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've listened to a rapper. Look, my my. My popularity, the, the, the small popularity that I had, okay, but albeit, like I said, I got to live off it. I was able to make a down payment on a house. I was able to pay the bills. I was able to do all that kind of stuff, but I had to work up to that. I had to have that work ethic to couple that, uh, to couple with that imagination, with that dream, with that purpose, and then right. go out and do it, right? But here's the thing, um, you know, <laughs> I had to, like I said, that work ethic, I had to go out there and actually manifest it because that work ethic is what I knew would get me over. My skills were marginal. All right. They were good enough. Okay. But they weren't great. Dude, there's a million rappers that are, that, that, that I thought were better than me skill-wise, talent-wise, but what could I control? My, my, if you want to look at you guys can't see this. Don can see it. But if this thing, this bottle of water that I'm holding up is about a third of the way full, meaning two thirds of it is empty. My talent level is probably about halfway. Okay. There are plenty of guys that are three fourths of the way. Hey, don't be a half glass type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> but they had all the talent in the world, but they were never going to go anywhere. Why? Because they simply didn't have the work ethic to go out and, and, and make it happen. They were relying on that talent to, to hopefully, you know, right. in their mind, hopefully somebody discovers that talent. Me, I'm a knock on the door. You're going to hear what it is that I have to say. Right. It's you know, very ironic. I'm not letting the crowd, I'm not letting the fans come to me. Yeah. I'm going to them. Yeah. 
you know, and I'm going to build yeah. those relationships. I'm going to make, I'm going to get with people that can make things happen for me, right. foster those relationships and build those friendships. And I still have lifelong friends, man, from those days. You know what I mean? It's a while, you know, it wasn't like this was yesterday. Okay. <laughs> this was, you know, a minute ago. And, and some of those experiences that I had are just absolutely priceless. Right. You couldn't buy those experiences, you know? Um, so I'll tell you a quick story, Don, and right. then you guys listening. Uh, so one time, and I've got a million stories, dude. I, I really do. But uh, this is one of the better ones. So I'm in, uh, I'm in California, right? You, you're in the Bay Area, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Right. But. So you, do, you, uh, do you know where Eureka is? Yeah, I know Eureka. Yeah. Okay. Super weird city. All right. So, <laughs> it depends on how you define weird. <laughs> well, I'm here about to hear how about to define, define weird. So here's the deal. Um, Eureka, for, the, for you guys that don't know, is kind of, it's, it, it's not a little tiny city. But it's definitely not a major city or anything like yeah, that, okay? Right. But it's the only city of any sizable numbers of population between the Bay Area and basically Portland, okay? okay. So right. when you're on tour, with, there's a big gap of space between the Bay and Portland. Yeah. So many, many, many touring groups will make a stop in Eureka only because it's the only place to play. Right. You're, you're, and they know that. And so they're not going to break you off with a bunch of money. You're basically doing it to give yourself a date, sell some merch, um, and keep you getting to where it is that you need to go next. Usually right. Portland or Portland to the Bay. One of the yeah. two. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we booked this show in Portland, or I, I'm sorry, in uh, Eureka. And um, the promoter, he was super down, super cool dude on the phone. All right. Uh, yeah, man, that sounds great. He owned this bar and uh, yeah, man, come through. I've got you. Blah, blah, blah. It's going to be awesome. So here we wheel into town, right? We get to where it is that we're trying to go, the venue that we're going to play. Walk in, ask for the promoter. They're like, oh, he isn't here. Well, when's he going to be here? Nobody really knows. He just kind of pops <laughs> in when he pops in. And I'm like, all right. So I call him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm here. I just tell people. <laughs> that, that should have been the first red flag right there. He's like, I just tell my staff to tell people that because I've always got people looking for me. And now I know why after this show. So yeah. <laughs> so basically, I go back, you know, me, me and, and uh, I was touring with this, this other group, right? So we go back there and um, I'm talking, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm talking to this promoter. And he's like, yeah, man, um, here's the thing. I didn't think you guys were actually going to show up. And I'm like, why would, why would you think that? And he was like, well, because that happens a lot of times. And I'm like, okay, but here's the thing. We're, we, we actually are here. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm right in front of you right now. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, all right, well, I don't know what to tell you, man. I've already booked karaoke for tonight. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding? <laughs> I'm, you know, basically 2,500 miles away from my house. Like, and we got, Crazy. 
yeah, we got di- you know, we we got canceled, we got dissed for karaoke night. And so I'm like, all right, look, you know, here's the deal, dude. We're here. So, you know, we we had an agreement for money. And I was like, look, it, it, you know, that's fine. If you got karaoke playing, we'll take the night off if we need to, but you you need to pay us, man, because we're here. Right. We showed up for a job, dude. It's not our fault that you book karaoke. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, fair. Yeah. And he was like, you know what, dude? You're right. Fair is fair. I'm going to run out to my truck, get my checkbook. I'll be right back. Dude never came back. Yeah. <laughs> we see the truck going down the road like, all right, he's not coming back. So yeah. uh, what we ended up doing was I, I start talking to the bar manager. This woman in her 50s, okay, like she had like the most, you, you know, that raspy smoke yeah. voice. Like the blues voice. The blues, who? The blues, but like, like you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. the blues voice, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, th- like, this woman okay. sounded like she had been smoking. She sounded like one of Marge Simpson's sisters. All right. This woman <laughs> sounded like she had been smoking since she was 10. All right. She comes up. Hey, how you guys doing? My name is Peaches. Okay, so not, <laughs> not, so not exactly the blues voice. Not exactly the best voice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, pleasure to meet you, Peaches. Here's the situation. I break it down for her. And she's like, well, the bad news is I can't pay you because I don't have any permission to do that. You guys can play, but you're going to have to hash it out with the karaoke guy. So maybe you can split the time. And I'm like, all right, I would rather play for free than not play. And the reason being because I'll sell stuff. I'll sell CDs. I'll sell shirts. You know, so I want to make something then make nothing. Right. Good, good experience to be on stage and everything. Right. Exactly. So we work it out with the karaoke guy. All that goes fine. You know, we, we, we do the show and whatnot. So we get done doing our set. Peaches she is about five foot even. Okay. Probably 250 pounds. All right. Super big titties. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right I'm, and there's a reason why i'm saying that i'll break, you'll see why in a minute so, <laughs> i can't wait <laughs> <laughs> kind of she reminded me of a warthog all right like her her features okay i'm not trying to diss her i'm just calling it what it is all right well she walks up to one of the guys in the other groups uh, or in the other group that i was touring with and she had a thing for that guy so it's loud in there, super loud. So she's trying to talk in his ear because what we were trying to do is we were trying to find a place that we could crash, you yeah. know, cause like, all right, we're already here. Can we find a place to crash? And um, so Peaches comes up to him and she's saying something in his ear and he's like, I, I, I can't hear you. And so she gets a little closer and he's like, I, I still can't hear you. So she's right up in his ear and she started licking the inside of his ear and, <laughs> and then she says to him, you guys can stay at my place. <laughs> and then he asked, at what price? <laughs> well, I was like, I'm talking to this guy, Josh. Okay. He was in another group and got, getting his ear licked by peaches. And I'm like, look, homie, 
I think you have to take one for the team tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, she's offered us a place to stay. You might have to bunk with peaches, you know, to yeah. make this work. And he's just like, but I don't want to. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. um, but anyhow, later, we're, we're all kind of posse up in a corner. She comes up and she's like, so here's the situation, fellas. You, she points at that guy, Josh. And she's like, when we get back to my place, first, I'm going to fuck you. Then my daughter's going to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really like Eureka, right? It sounds like Eureka. <laughs> uh. So Josh is just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know about this. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> Like, come on, dude, you, you got to take it for the team, brother. You know, we ended up finding a different place to stay, which is a totally different story, which I won't get into okay. for the sake of time, but because that yeah. was a whole trip as well. But um, so <laughs> the night kind of starts, you know, coming to an end, you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, a last call and all that kind of thing. So um, as it's starting to clear out and everything, Peaches gets up on the uh, on the bar, and she was like, "Who wants to see the fire trick?" <laughs> and apparently, she must do this often because everybody was like, "Woo!" <laughs> Everyone was excited, clapping like, "Yeah, Peaches and the fire trick." Yeah, that's so, what they came to the bar for. <laughs> <laughs> she deserved more money for what she did than what I did for rhyming. Let me tell you that. So. What she does is she takes, she's wearing this like wife beater kind of tank top. Yeah. She takes it off. All right. So she's got her big gut hanging out. You know, she's got her big old boobies in her bra. Then she takes her bra off and those big old boobies don't <laughs> flopped, man. They don't drop yeah. down to her belly button. Okay? okay. And so she has nipple piercings. She takes out the the the, the uh, nipple rings, okay. Then what she proceeds to do, you know those uh, you know those matches that you use for starting a campfire. They look like regular matches, but they're big and they're kind of yeah. thick, you know. Yeah. So she takes those, runs them through the oh, holes God. in her nipple, their nipples. Okay, that's pay painful. <laughs> like that's a good way to get a splinter so uh, she does that then she takes a lighter and she lights them on fire so now the matches are lit she starts rocking right left okay right left her her boobs are starting to swing <laughs> okay oh then man she starts like really getting into it dude she was doing it so fast it looked like rings of fire that's crazy that was the fire trick. That, that sounds like an awesome fire trick. <laughs> it's too bad that, that I would never be able to do it, you know? <laughs> if I go go to Jimmy now and work out my pecs, well, perhaps I could get, get myself a chance. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I can do it in the near future. You know what I mean? You wouldn't have, <laughs> yeah. like, the, you know, it'd be, it'd be all yeah, nice but, and tight. You know what I mean? You wouldn't yeah. be able to start swimming yeah, I mean, around. Give me about, like, 40 years and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy story, you know. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I was saying to one of the guys, I was like, man, what if I walked up with a fire extinguisher and was like, <laughs> just like, what am I? <laughs> like everyone booing me. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to book a show at the bar again. Well, believe you me, we were never coming back to that bar. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so is what it is. But yeah, but that's the thing, dude. You know, stepping into your your dream can get you fire tricks. It can get, <laughs> now, I really, now I really want to step in. <laughs> no, but it can get you the type of lifestyle that you want. And right. those opportunities and those, um, even though it's ridiculous, you know, but what it really shows is that experiences like that, man, you know, um, they're priceless. Those are things that when you're older in life, you'll look back on with fondness you know yeah Yeah, it sucked at the time dude didn't break us off with a check he like was out of there you know but the thing is is that dude that money would have been came and went right that money would have been gone anyway yeah that experience of of seeing the fire show uh (laughs) that that will stick with me for the rest of my life i can't tell you how many times i've told that story you know, I'm sure like, it will stick with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, dude. Personally, you it know, will stick with me as well. <laughs> right. As it would anybody. Yeah. You know, so, but those experiences are things that you can't buy. You know, exactly. you can't put a price on that. Right. Those are things that will stick with you for forever. Yeah. And it's, it's not like experience that, that you like bought. You actually had to work for that experience, right? So, you know, uh, they're just saying like, don't spend your time like collecting possessions but collect experiences so that's like a model i use for all my life you know instead of collecting possessions which i think for some of the students that come to this program you know they're okay with their career they want to take it to the next level they perhaps want to get you know a six uh, figure salary they want to get a cool sports car these are all just possessions you know they come and right. go like what you were saying but the actively going out having experience of meeting cool people perhaps every night it's like a new adventure every night and that kind of experience you're not going to buy. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, so what are, what are, or what's one of the things in your opinion that is something that holds guys back? That isn't something that's like, you know, how can I word this? Um, like game lexicon, you know, like game lexicon. Yeah. Like, you know, you could say, oh, well, guys don't know how to approach right. Or, or guys don't know how to, uh, uh-huh. you know, build pets or connect. Yeah. You, you know, you could say those things. But what outside of, say, like the attraction ladder? Yeah. Okay. Um, for you guys that don't know the attraction ladder, uh, the psychology of modern flirting, the attraction ladder is a book by Jared Lawrence uh, that we use in modern flirting to, you know, kind of break down systematically how you can you know, build up that type of lifestyle and have, you know, build attraction and get the type of women into your life that you want to have there. But what outside of that is something that you think yeah. guys really miss the mark on? See, with me, it's imagination. It's imagination. That's definitely it. Remember what they, so there's a book that we require students to read in this program. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics. It's Great my book. maximum, you know, uh, Maxwell's, uh, Malcolm Maxwell. Right? That's, That's it. Yep, you got uh, it. <laughs> Um, and it's all about, you know, having a goal, kind of like we were talking about imagination, you know, imagining the end result and seeing yourself getting there. But outside from that, I think the number one thing 
um, I've seen, and this is something that's subconscious, right? It's not something that they consciously can identify. It's the fear of uncertainty. The fear of uncertainty is what makes people stay safe. Now, I'm not saying stay safe in the bathroom, but, you know, it's a fear of uncertainty. Like, if they go out and leave the cushy jobs or if they, you know, go out and approach and perhaps date women that they have no experience with or talk to, pe- talk to social groups that they have no experience with, that's uncertainty, right? It's something, it's, it can start off with something very small, just approach anxiety. I think that's what fuels Approach anxiety. It's a fear of uncertainty. If I approach them, will I get blown out? I mean, mm-hmm. no, no one likes rejections. And the other, the flip side of that is like, will I actually get accepted? Is she receptive? And what, what if she we move forward, forward with that? Like, what if I kiss her and take her home? Like, what if we start a relationship? That's something they don't have experience with. Right. And that's uncertain as well. So what is certain is them standing in the bar with, with a drink in front of their hand and go home alone. Like, they know how, how that's going to end. So that's, right. even though it's not something pleasant, that's certain, it's still certainty, right? right? And that, you know, that, that translates across the board to a career, to a social life. Um, it's a fear of uncertainty. And f- I, Dude, I could not agree more, man. You know, guys hold on to comfortability yeah. and I would argue ego, like a security blanket. Yeah. You know, uh, when you're when you're five years old, you got your blankie, right? And I, I got my blankie when I was two. So I've I've still got my blankie, dude. You ask my <laughs> wife, like yeah. I man, I've got this blankie. It looks like <laughs> this thing looks like it was been through a war, man. Like, <laughs> but I, it's comfortable to me, so I I, I keep yeah. it around. But nonetheless, um, that. Hanging on to that ego, hanging on to what it, excuse me, what it is that you think that you know, because it's comfortable to you. A lot of guys, you know, what I feel like what they do is they, they think they have a certain worldview or they have a certain perspective and that perspective or worldview becomes their truth. Yeah. And so if something flies in the face of that, even if it's negative, even if it's something that's holding them back and they know that it's holding them back, that's more comfortable than the uncomfortability of uncertainty. Right. So I'm going to hold myself back because at least I know if I hold myself back and, and I use every excuse in the book as to why I can't take that action. Oh, I'm not good looking enough. Oh, I don't make enough money. Oh, I don't have enough status. Whatever excuse that you're going to run with, they hang on to that for dear life. Yeah, for sure. And and, and when you try to explain to them and show them, which is in large part what we do at Modern Flirting, is show them how to overcome these types of things, these types of mentalities, and show them actionable ways that you can go out and make things happen for yourself. But some of these guys hold on to it so tight that it no longer becomes a commentary on their inaction. It becomes a comment, the way they receive it, it's a commentary on them. Right. You know, so... It, by me telling them, no, nah, dude, you got it all wrong, man. Like, you can go out there and do this. You can make things happen for yourself. You can live that lifestyle that you want to live if you put in the work and the action to do it. Right. 
that becomes a commentary not on their inaction, but who they are as an individual. Because right. that means that they're wrong. And they've been wrong for however amount of time leading up to that point. Which makes them feel foolish. It makes them right. feel that they just that they're wrong and they are wrong but it's it's not their identity isn't wrong or their it's the way that they think about the world that is wrong right their worldview is completely like lopsided so so that's why you know when i coach students in modern flirting i sort of have to play the double role bit. i sort of have to like teach them the right mentality and the right action at the same time like stroke their egos a little bit so that they don't get hurt they don't get emotionally hurt because i know when when they you know, when I violate their egos, tell tell them they what they may think is they're wrong, then they're going to reject everything I say about taking the right action. It's like, oh, because you know you don't agree with me, therefore, like whatever you tell me is wrong. So I kind of have to tell tell them, you know, kind of stroke their egos, like you know, you are still attractive, like by uh, like on yourself. But we're what we are telling telling you here is best method to present yourself. So it's not that, you know, you're not attracted to women or you had to do all these things. It's just, just that you're not coming off. Like you're not letting your personality shine through. We were just helping with that. So, yeah. you know, there's like a sort of like a tightrope act, you know, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I can't violate their egos because human beings, like we, we don't like being wrong. And, and I get that, right? So I have to like keep their egos intact and at the same time, like add, teach them everything about men, right mentality, right action. So they can go out and do the right things to get the results. And then perhaps they themselves can change their worldviews. Because if that happens, then, then they can accept it. It's like, oh, I saw this with my own eyes. Therefore, I can change it. <laughs> Whereas some you know, dude <laughs> that, met, that met on a web tell, telling me that I can't accept it. So, you know, um, yeah, it's been my experience. Yeah, man. And, and I, I agree 100%. Although sometimes I do feel like that you do have to confront their ego. Um, like when you're working with somebody and, it, and it's not to say like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, clown you just, just for the sake of clowning somebody, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, if, yeah. if, if I find that an individual is getting in their own way because of the ego that they're holding onto, you know, then I feel like that needs to be addressed, you know, because right. sometimes, man, you know, a lot, well, a lot of times people define ego as something that's narcissistic or selfish or whatever, but really what it is, is the thing that the way that you're defining yourself in, in like not wanting to improve, because then that means that, you know, you if, if I, if I give in and say that I have to improve and this is a way to do it, I have to get out of my own way. Then all that means is that the, the me that was in my way, that person is wrong. Right. Right. And that can be hurtful to people, but sometimes right. that hurt is what they need. So is that they can actually go out and take the action. Right. Yeah. No, that's totally true. Like if their ego gets in the way of improving themselves, uh, then I, that, that's got to be addressed, right? So that's why, you know, um, one of the training models we have at Modern Flirting is like everything dating culture related is a skill set. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like playing an instrument or a sport. You're probably not born with it. That doesn't make you wrong. It just means that you got to gain that skill set. Um, so that's kind of like analogy I like to use. 
Yeah. And, and also like put some kind of buffer in between them and the women they're approaching. So it's not so personal if you're like, she didn't reject me. She, you know, if she didn't reject you, she just rejected your skill set uh, level at that time. Right. We're, we're still beginner, you know? Yeah. No isn't a no to you. Right. No is in the way that you ask. Yeah. Right. So if, if, if you're being rejected, it's yeah. not necessarily because it's you. It's because the way that you approached or the, right. the interaction that you had that she is ultimately rejecting. Because what does she really know? If, yeah. if you walk up to a stranger and you start talking to them, what do they really know about you? Not much. They know what's in front. They, they know uh, the person that's in front of them. Uh, like, you know, they know your, 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 your uh, physical characteristics because that can be seen. But they don't know your your background, your history, who you are as an individual. They don't, they don't know any of that. Right. So they're not rejecting any of that. You can't reject what you don't know. Yeah. I can't reject the door-to-door salesman that hasn't knocked on my door yet. Yeah. If he's 10 houses away, I don't even know he's coming. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I haven't rejected him. Yeah. I might reject his offer. Right. But not him as an individual. Yeah. No, that's totally, totally right. That's, you know, it's like there's one story about this I like, like to tell. And um, <laughs> I kind of, kind of experienced this firsthand, right? So in San Francisco, there, there are certain bars that are known to be like high-end like bar game where, where the women are like nines and tens and the guys are all, all, all like six feet tall and like blonde and stuff. You know, it's like the top of the... Um, yeah, I got you. So, you know... There are times when I start uh, studying game and practicing and stuff, when I would go into these bars and like literally get blown out of every group I approach within like first like 30 seconds or something, you know, it was because I was starting, my tonality was not right. The body language was not right. I was coming yeah. up timid and stuff. And as I got uh, better with my skill set improved, you know, six months later, when I went back to the bar and I'll be hooking the exact same groups that blew me out six months ago. so so to me so after that experience i was like you know that really opened my eyes it's not really about me like i'm still the same me but i fixed all those sticking points those like body language uh expression sticking points all of a sudden i'm just hooking up these groups so i was the story to guys who are like oh this place is too hard for me um i'm not good enough it's it's about me it's about because i'm not six feet tall and like you know like ripped and blown and stuff, you know. So I was telling them the, the, the stories, just like the same people. Yeah. Difference, big difference. Yeah, absolutely. You worked on the skill set and you got better. And what yeah. one of the biggest pet peeves I have, I was just talking about this in my class yesterday. <laughs> um, one of the biggest pet peeves that I have is guys that refuse to work on themselves really because, or at least their social, um, their social skills because it's like, oh, I don't want to be somebody that I'm not. Yeah. It's like, what? So you're telling me that if I can't naturally bench 250 pounds, that I shouldn't just ever even try. Because it's not natural. I didn't walk into the gym and start throwing up 250 on the press. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, if we're going to talk nature, I mean, that's the, the, the what, the prefix of natural, right? So... If 
if, if I can't do that because I'm just not built that way, then I shouldn't even start working towards uh, getting stronger because if I was meant to be strong, I would just would have been strong anyhow. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, same thing like you said, like tonality, body language, all those types of things. I've been on a kick about that lately. Um, and, you know, people's voices are a very clear indicator of who you are. Yeah. If we're in a, if you and I, Dong, we're in a grocery store and you're in one aisle and I'm in the other, if I'm like, Dong, where you at, man? You know exactly who I am. You know what I mean? Even if I don't yeah. say your name, right? Yeah. So I could be anybody. It's like, where you at, man? You're going to be like, oh, that's Dale. Right. You don't have to see me. <laughs> you know it was me saying it. So you know what? even if we're not in the same store, even if I'm in the store across from it, if you shout my name, it was so I'll probably probably still hear you. Oh, dude, I could probably yell through the wall, bro. <laughs> that's what, that's <laughs> so, what I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah, that's the thing, man. You know, like your voice is something that you can work on, your tonality. Yeah. It doesn't make you a different person. It does, it, it's not inauthentic, it's not you know, not, not being congruent with who you are. If you yeah. have, for instance, like you're the type of guy that maybe say has a nasally voice and you talk through your, your nose, essentially. Um, that's something that can be worked on. So is that you don't have that nasally voice, that kind of whiny type of sound to your voice. You work on that. Why is it, why is it that, People who are professional speakers, they use their voice for a living, whether it's a preacher, whether it's a uh, uh, motivational speaker, an actor, uh, a singer. Why is it that they take vocal training? Right. So is that their voice can be better. It can be more textured. It can hit other notes. Right. It's like they're, they're an instrument. If they don't like hone it and shape it and mold it every day, it's going to deteriorate, right? You know, for them, like the voice box is like their instrument, their weapon. You know, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I worked on my voice so much over the over the years. All right, I was telling the guys this last night. You should have seen. You should have seen. I, well, it, I guess it doesn't matter. It's nothing negative. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I totally want to see it. <laughs> uh, I saw. I saw him in your class today, right? Um, and he, you know, he was in my class last night. You should have seen homeboy's face when I said this, man. I was like, look at Nelson looking all surprised. Like, because what I, what I said in the class was, believe it or not, guys, and this is the truth for you guys listening to this podcast. This, the voice that you hear right now is not my natural speaking voice. It's the voice that I've worked on yeah. over the course of time. Right. I don't talk like this all the time. Yeah. You know, my, um, when I'm home with, you know, like, for instance, tonight, I have date night with my wife. All right. We're going to be watching uh, an episode of Better Call Saul, hanging out, having some dinner, all that kind of thing. Right. I don't talk to her like I'm talking right now. 
<laughs> you know, she'd be like, why don't you calm down a little bit? Why are you so, why are you yelling at me? Take it easy, you know? Uh, I don't talk to her like this. I talk in my natural speaking voice when, when it's her and I. But right. anytime that I'm talking publicly, if, if there's a microphone, quote unquote, in front of me, then I take on that that uh, that tonality, right? That I because I know that that's the best way to present myself, right? It, yeah, I mean it's why I call it vocal personas, right? We all oh, have that's a great word uh, or term. I like that. <laughs> and uh, I basically um, came up with this term because I identified a way that people spoke, and what I noticed was. The voice that you use talk to your children or to a spouse is vastly different than the way to the, the way uh, the voice to talk to a boss or to your customers or vastly different from the way you talk to strangers or code approaching or, you know, even daytime and nighttime, I use different voices. My day game voice is a lot softer, you know, uh-huh. more, my night game is more animated, expressive. So we all have different vocal personas. And actually, I did a lecture for modern flirting students a while ago. I, I identified the 20 most common vocal personas or tonalities that people use. Oh, crazy. All right, that's dope. Yeah. So there's the one like, you know, the voice I'm using right now, it's what I call expressive emphatic voice. It's like the way that public speakers use, you hear Tony Robbins and, and right. you do. There, there are also different ones, like the sympathetic caring one, like I really care about you. Yeah. You know, I really care about you. Or like... I'm not sure about that. Like you can hear my voice going up. I'm skeptical about it. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Or the seeking opinion voice. Like, like, what do you think about that? You know, like I take you okay. We're having lunch tomorrow. Like my voice inflects upward, you know, right. I don't to say, are you okay with it? I can just speak a declarative statement and make the voice go up and immediately, you know, I'm asking a question. So right. all these like 20 different vocal tonalities and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you just have to train them to get better at them. Absolutely. You know, so many guys um, that I encounter, they're so like, for instance, I'll give you an example. This past weekend, I did a boot camp. All right. One of the guys in that boot camp, uh, super, super nice guy, man. Like just a, a great guy. Um, his problem was like, he sounds friendly. Like when you talk to him, he, he, it's not like he's like, um, uh, uh, boring to listen to or anything like that but the problem is it never changes so it's monotone in the sense of not just like okay now i'm talking to you you should be hearing the words i say it's not monotone like that it's just like his it never changes just the way that he talks it's just normal just normal normal talk you know and there's nothing expressive about it there's nothing memorable about the way he's presenting himself he's just another guy That's it. And so that's something that I've been working on him with, uh, or that I did a large, um, you know, a a large bulk of the time was uh, dedicated to helping him be able to step into tonality and and vocal inflection and things like that. One of the examples I gave him was like this. It's like this, man, you know, if, if I, if you take words that are written on a screen or a piece of paper, whatever, right? You give it to 10 different people, they're going to say it 10 different ways, probably. Yeah. Okay. So, like, if you take this term right here, get the fuck out of here. 
Now, what if we're talking? I hear that And I'm like, man, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah. Versus, man, you get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Two totally di- two totally different emotions, two different to- totally different tonalities. Yeah. And they both say something completely different, even though the words are exactly the same. Right. You know? It's like, you know, there's one study. I think only 7% of what you say is your words. The rest, either body language or your vocal tonality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, <laughs> if, 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 you're not, if you're not being expressive enough in the way that you say something, what makes people want to hear what it is that you have to say? Yeah. I mean, if I stand here and I'm, uh, what's that dude's name, man? Um, probably dating myself a little bit, but uh, Ben Stein. Do you know who that is? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. You know, Bueller. Wait, ben Stein's money. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bueller. Yeah. Bueller. You know, like, yeah. even if that guy is dropping, like, knowledge, like, of the gods, man. Like he's laying it down. People aren't going to, it's not going to sink in. It's not going to resonate with people the way that it should. Even if he delivered 25%, here's 100% of knowledge, okay? And he's delivering 100% of it in a super monotone, boring presentation type of way. Not much is going to land. But if right. he even did 25% of that knowledge, but did it expressively that where people could resonate with it, people could get it, people could understand it, and their, their uh, eyes are glued and their ears are perked trying to catch everything that he's saying, they're going to get way more out of that 25% than that 100%. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's less about the content and more about the way you deliver it. That's why Jerry used to say, it's not what you say, it's what you convey. <laughs> and I think it's a great saying, you know? Um, especially like very busy, like night game environments, like nightclub, especially nightclubs and bars and lounges, you can probably get away with being a little bit monotone, but it's still not the best. Like, especially in nightclubs, like if you're not expressive, mm-hmm. if you don't, it's not even just the voice. It's like your facial expressions, you know, yeah. Joe's surprise. Again, like I did a lecture on this 15 common facial expressions. There's like the surprised one. There's like a skeptical, right? So if you're not showing emotions with your face, because chances are nine times out of 10, they're not going to hear everything you say over the loud music and flashing lights and stuff. If you're not expressing with your hands and also with your face, I mean, a lot of communication is lost. I mean, that's how I was at a Las Vegas nightclub and um, I had some wings. And sometimes, you know, I will hook the groups that my wings would get blown out, out of. It's not necessarily, necessarily that I'm like a, better looking than them, although I, I would like to believe so. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I mean, it's all about, like, I know how to exaggerate those right. know, when, when an occasion com- comes for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's funny you say that, man. Like, you must have watched my class yesterday because <laughs> everything that you're talking about, dude, is exactly what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. Last day. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, that, look, attention is currency, right? It, it, it just is like, why do you think that it is that ratings dictate prices for advertising? Um, my YouTube channel, I have a monetized YouTube channel. All right. And so the more attention that YouTube channel gets, the more advertising dollars 
I get. The more spon- the more sponsors want to work with me because people are watching my content. Right. You know, it, it's like anything else. So when you're in that kind of loud environment, you got flashing lights and loud music, and this person's dressed crazy. Here's somebody walking around on stilts, juggling puppies. You know, like that'll be me. That'll be me. A typical puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just do that at home, man. I just... uh, oh, <laughs> you, you take it to the next level. <laughs> but you are, you make no mistake, man. You are competing with that attention because she could be looking anywhere, right? Because there's yeah. something going on here, there, over there, everywhere. Yeah. Her friend's attention is standing right next to her. Oh my God, look what this guy texted me. Oh my God, so funny. You know, whatever. It, yeah. there, there's all kinds of attention to be had. What is it about you that is going to draw that attention and keep that attention? If you stand there and talk monotone, your hands in your pockets, you, you're not with zero animation, why should she pay attention to you? Right. I wouldn't pay attention to you. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, because it's more interesting, you know, so you have to be more interesting than that environment. There has to be something, something that is going to get their attention, hold their attention. That's why the body language, animation, facial expressions, posture, uh, tonality, all those things are so important and they all culminate and come together. And that is the way that you are a billboard presenting yourself to that environment for to catch those people's attention. Right. Nobody is getting off the freeway to stop at some greasy spoon diner on the billboard. It has like a picture of some super whack looking food that nobody wants to eat. Nobody's driving off the freeway to get that food. Right. Yeah, and you, that is how you are presenting yourself as milk toast, as plain. And, and, and why do that? Now, the argument that some people say, at least that I've heard anyway, is like, well, why do I got to jump through all these hoops, man? Why do I got to do all these things and work on all these things just to get somebody's attention? It, you know, can it just be, can I just be who I am and do what I do and get people's attention? Well, I, I would say, the women in the bars, they're not just being themselves. They're wearing like heels. They're putting on makeup. They have probably worked out a ton in the gym, you know, so they were putting attention. So if you want equality, you got, you got to put in some work too. Yeah. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes. You do have to do that. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, guys look at it as an ends to a, a means to an end. Like, oh, I got to do put in all this work and do all these things just to get a girl's attention. You're looking at it wrong, man. You are looking at 100% wrong because all those things that you're working on to make that billboard as attractive as possible to, to these women, it's making it as attractive as possible to everybody. So that goes back to that lifestyle that we're talking yeah. about that you've imagined. Now you can start seeing yourself actually being a part of that because you're bringing, because of who you are, the billboard that you're putting out there to the world everybody's attracted to it. It's not right. just women. It's you leveling up at your job. It's you building connections and you got some side hustle going on. And you want ultimately want to make that your, your main thing. That's you getting those connections to make that happen. It's you being better across right. the board, not right. just with women, but with everything. That's very correct. And, you know, I think 
I think it's a skill set that definitely translates across the board, right? And I think, you know, when I analyze how guys think about it, because I always try to delve into how students think about it. It's like the way they think about it is like they have this very rigid sense of self-identity. I'm a, you know, I'm a guy who doesn't talk with hand movements. I'm a very monotone kind of guy. And if I break from it, oh my shit, I, I'm being fake. I'm being disingenuous. Right. You know, so... And, you know, the other fear is like, if I present myself that way, if all of a sudden, if, if you know, throughout my life, I, I'd be used to talking in monotone voice, if all of a sudden I'm animated, expressive, all these women out there, they're going to think I'm being fake, I'm being like disingenuous and a sleazy salesman. And my answer to that is always, you know, people have a baseline expectation of your behavior from the moment they meet you. Mm-hmm. If you deviate from that baseline, then you'll be seen as fake. So, you know, for people that know you all, all your life, like your childhood friends or family, if they know you as a monotone, hands in pockets type of guy, if all of a sudden you're talking expressive, they might see you being a little bit fake and disingenuous. But to women in the bar that you just talked to for the first like minute, they have no idea who you are. They have no, what I call baseline expectation of your behaviors. So if you're talking expressive and a- animated, they would just think that's who he is. I would argue too that even your friends and family, like you said, they've known you all your life. Right. It's not that they think that you're not being who you are. It's that they think that you are, you're upsetting the expectation that they think that you should be based on previous experience. So if that was the case, you know, like, a, a good example is I heard um, uh, I was watching something one time. They're talking about Oprah Winfrey. And when she started losing a bunch of weight, she also lost a bunch of friends because they were like, oh, you're just you're you're trying to be somebody that you're not. It's like, no, man, I'm just trying to be healthy, dude. You know what yeah. I'm <laughs> like, yeah. And when people because here's the problem that a lot of times people don't identify. The problem is, it's not that that you're uh, being somebody that you're not. You're improving. And by your improvement, it's showing them that they are in the same place that they've always been. Right. So they're offended by your improvement. So what they use is the scapegoat of you're not being yourself. Right. So is that they don't have to feel bad about themselves for being lazy about their own self-improvement. Right. And that's something that guys in the self-improvement community encounter a lot. You know, we go through like droves of friends because their old friends are like, you're not being yourself. You're like doing this program about self-improvement that we don't know anything about. And, you know, our answer can only be, you know, you have to choose a path that you walk. Right. So Yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. So uh, kind of coming up on an hour here. Uh, any last words here, Don? Well, um, you know, if you're interested in improving your dating life, your social life and your lifestyle in general, reach out to Modern Flirting. Other coaches can uh, help definitely. So, yeah, give us a shout. Absolutely. Listen, guys, if you like what it is that you're hearing here, even better if you don't like what it is that you're hearing, because it's bringing up uh, emotions of that you know that you need to change and you feel an inner tug of war, 
you need to, you're the guy that needs to reach out to us the most. And the reason is, is because the reason you feel like it, how you feel that this is bringing up negative emotions in you is because it's pushing a pain point. It's that's a signal to you telling you this is an area that I need to improve in, but I want to hold on to that ego. I want to hold on to that security blanket. Let that blanket go, man. That blanket ain't going to protect you in a war. <laughs> that blanket ain't going to protect you from rejection. You've already rejected yourself. You've already proved that that blanket isn't worth the fabric it was made with. You're the guy that needs to talk to us, have that conversation, and just see if what we're doing can help you. If it can, okay. let's go. If it can't, you're not going to hurt my feelings, man. Keep, li <laughs> keep living that life. Keep living the same way you've been living, dude. How's that working out for you? Come talk to us. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace. Super dope, man. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Great job. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Thanks. you came through the clutch today, man. Stepping in for Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> jumping yeah, on the podcast. It's, it's weird because some weeks I'm just, uh, I just have less to do at work, you know? Yeah. Last week I was super swamped with work. Like, it, I didn't even get my coach in, into that, uh, like, like, uh, so like the, in, uh, like the intro video in, like, until, um, like the weekend, you know? So, yeah. I mean, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, be happy to step in anytime when. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I would have liked to. I was out driving around and stuff, and I was like, yeah. ah, damn it. Now, if she would have brought it up earlier in the day, I get it yeah. here on the West Coast, you know what I mean? But if yeah. she would have brought it up earlier in the day, I, I would have jumped. It's all good. You know That's what I mean? But cool. All right, brother. Cool, man. Yeah. I will talk to you soon, man. Yep, talk to you soon, Dave. Peace all out. Right. Have a good day.